This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Today, my guest on Pain in the Pod is Aaron of the podcast Generation Y. As you may or may not know, I love anything involving true crime. I love a podcast. I love a 48 hours. I love a documentary, anything. Aaron and his friend Justin started their podcast in 2012. And the reason I've always loved this podcast is because of Aaron and Justin. They're so obviously real life friends and they have such an interesting way of storytelling. They speak in a seamless way when telling the story every week that it's it's like a well-oiled machine. I would highly recommend anybody give their podcast a listen. I can guarantee you they have covered stories that you've heard of and stories that you have never heard of. So, Aaron, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yes, thank you. Now, you and Justin were one of, if not some of the very first true crime podcasters. You're the very first one I ever listened to, for sure. So when you started, you were like pioneers of the true crime genre. So tell me about the origin of your podcast. Well, the origin... Uh, back in the day, back in 2012, uh, Justin had been serving on a first-degree murder trial, and towards the end of it, he called me up one day and he said, you know, I really want to tell people about my jury experience, and so I don't know how to get that into the, you know, get that to the people. And um, you know, after talking a little bit, I asked him, I said, are you trying to ask me if we can start a podcast together? And he said, I think I am, yes. Something to that effect. And I said, well, if we're going to start a podcast, we need a name. And I swear it was one beat. And then he said, the Generation Y. Huh. Okay. How, how did he come up with that so fast? He must have been already thinking about it. No, he's very spur of the moment. <laughs> Justin doesn't plan things. Yeah. <laughs> now, you do have, in my opinion, the best opening music of any podcast there is. So let's take a listen to it. Okay, now, where did that music come from? How did you find that awesome opening intro? Well, originally from 2012 through 2015 or so, we had our own music. And that's because before we started the podcast, Justin and I were recording music together. And we used the very first track we ever recorded. And uh, we used that as our intro and outro music for a long time. And then eventually we have a listener by the name of Andy and he wanted to make our intro HD. <laughs> yeah. So what he did was he said, let me just re- redo it. I'll just listen to your track and then I'll update it. And he did that. And I think it was pretty cool. We still have people that miss the old version, but sometimes uh, when we release things on Patreon, we have a Patreon account. Uh, we put our old music on those audio tracks that we release on there. Yes, I saw a tweet the other day about your opening music. Somebody says, 
and maybe you can remember what it said verbatim, but it was something to the extent of, you know, it reminds you of, you know, standing in a cold forest and somebody's coming up behind you or something. And I was like, oh, it, yes, yes, it's very eerie. Um, so let me ask you this. Okay, on a week-to-week basis, who decides what to cover and does one of you take the lead on it? Well, I generally take the lead. I think Justin appreciates being told what we're covering, mm-hmm. where it's a surprise for him. But once in a while, he'll say, I want to cover this. I, I've heard you say that you don't write a script, but I find that so hard to believe because the way that you two go back and forth, it seems like it's written down verbatim. I say this, Justin says this, but that's not the case. No, there's no way we could be scripted. It's it's really weird because from the very beginning, we both would just study the case and then we would show up and talk about it. And it would happen more often on the older ones than now. But sometimes we'd argue a bit on the podcast about aspects of the case or who we thought did it. Well, that's that was that's what I was going to ask you. Have you ever had something that you feel so strongly where you feel one way and he feels another way? Yes, there was a case we covered. It was within the first 20 some odd episodes, but we called it the scuba case, I think. Mm-hmm. And a man and his wife went scuba diving and he returned and she didn't. We've actually covered two cases like that. One was much later and was in Australia. But our original case, uh, we really disagreed with each other on whether the guy was guilty or not. And in the end, was he found guilty? <laughs> well, again, that was episode 20-something. Uh-huh. And I don't remember if it was episode 26 or 23 or something, but it was a long time ago. That's 2012, probably. And I just don't remember. I do remember that I felt he was guilty based on the location of her equipment and the condition of it. Whereas Justin said he didn't think that that, you know, meant that the guy was guilty. Well, I do like how the two of you go back and forth. And the reason I'm saying that it sounds like it's scripted, not because it sounds like robotic, like you're reading it. It just sounds like it's so seamless the way that you two talk to one another. It's as if you've planned it out for a long time. But what I've read is that you have said, no, we don't. We just sit down and start talking back and forth, which I I think is pretty amazing the way that you guys are so uh, symbiotic that way. Yeah, I think um, the best way to put it is Justin and I will take seats and as we talk, we'll just naturally at some point defer to the other person. So I might set up what the case is about and then Justin will kick off the beginning of the case and then I might come in with some personal backgrounds or something. We just go back and forth because we don't want to hog up all the time. We like to share time. So that's how it goes. And we don't have roles. It's not like I told Justin, okay, you're going to cover this stuff. I'll cover this stuff. We both know it. And so uh, sometimes, uh, just even recently, if I forget something or he forgets something and we stumble a little bit, the other one will just pick it up. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell you guys are obviously friends in real life. You know, you wouldn't be able to have such a uh, back and forth relationship if you weren't, you know, used to each other's um, ways of talking. I think that it's. it's fascinating. I was listening to um, the most recent one you did, and I was listening for that. And I was like, you know, that's pretty amazing. I guess uh, I have a friend or two that I could do that with, but we probably end up talking over each other, trying to like one up each other with our information. Um, now, let me. Uh, you said that you had the one that you disagreed on. I'm sure there's been more than one that you've 
disagreed on, but do you have any that stick with you way after it airs, like a year later or so, especially if there's an update in the case? Are there any cases you can talk about that really, really stick with you long after you discuss them on the air? Not really. Uh, That's a tough question. Um, Sometimes the cases we tend to disagree on are cases we haven't even covered yet. And so I don't know if we're going to cover those, but at this point, uh, we do have a case or two that we don't agree on. So before you go and sit down to do it, you don't say, hey, my spin on it is, it seems like the justice system did not or did help this person or did not help this person. And then Justin's going to say, well, I totally disagree. So you don't really know his feelings fully on it until uh, you sit down to talk about it. Once in a while, I do. We discussed the Tex MacGyver case before we covered it. That's the man who is in the back of the car while his wife and their friend was up front. And then he said his gun accidentally was fired and his wife was killed. Oh, they were like in Texas, right? Yes. And so you think what? Well, I think it was in Texas. I can't remember at this point. But no, I um, I remember telling him that I felt that Tex did it on purpose, that this was all a setup. It was a little too convenient. Mm-hmm. And Justin didn't agree with that. Justin felt it was an accidental shooting but that he deserved a prison sentence because of how careless and reckless he was uh, leading up to that. Right. I do. The reason I say Texas, well, not only because the guy's name was Tex, but I felt like it was in Dallas and they were sort of high society. I'm trying to remember. They seemed to be about my parents' age. And I'm remembering that story now. And when you said the one about the scuba, there's a couple of stories about that as well about the couple on the honeymoon and the wife goes scuba diving and it appears that he has unscrewed her mask or whatever and she didn't want to scuba dive ever and he sort of made her. I'm trying to remember that story. There's so many, you know, (laughs) but I think there is is more than one of that scuba, which just makes me think I'll never go scuba diving. (laughs) Um, Now, tell me about your Patreon. You mentioned that a minute ago. You said that sometimes you put your um, old music on there, but uh, tell me about your Patreon and what makes it different. Well, the Patreon is more like a fan club, so if you really like the show and you want to contribute to us or if you just want extra material, extra audio, then you can go to Patreon, and we've been putting ad-free episodes on there and recording extra episodes that only, well at least for the time being, you know, only Patreon uh, subscribers can listen to. And so as long as it keeps going, uh, I imagine we'll keep contributing new material to Patreon. Are you talking about crime there? Are you talking about other things as well? Uh, It's pretty much crime. Um, (laughs) All crime all the time. Right. (laughs) But, you know, sometimes we have recorded other things. Uh, Justin really wanted to cover Silk Road, which is crime, but not exactly in the way that true crime people would think. And we also covered Flat Earth, and that's a theory that's been around a long time, and we had quite a lot of fun with that episode. That's really cool. Um, do you guys have a home studio, or do you go somewhere to record? Uh, we record where I'm at right now, which is, I call it my computer room. I have a computer set up here, uh, but it has, uh, obviously, some audio set up here and a large monitor. Well, that's nice, and so he doesn't mind coming to your house every week. No, I think he he prefers it. His house is a little older, so it it creaks more and things like that, I think. But um but I think he also likes just getting out and uh we do it here. Um and it's always worked out pretty well once we got our equipment figured out some years ago. 
let me ask you this. When you're thinking about the story, say like you're thinking now about what you're going to do for the next week or if it's already recorded, you're gonna, what you're going to do for the next week or the 1st of December. I know sometimes you might do thematic things like Halloween or do you think far in advance enough to say, here's a crime that I just heard about or here's one that's you know from way back in the 20s? I mean, how do you decide? There's, I mean, there's so much to choose from. How do you decide week to week which case you're going to cover? Well, up until about three, four months ago, we would literally, I would set the schedule for eight weeks in advance, and then we would know each week what we were covering. And now what I do is I create a folder on our shared drive, and I list all of the research and the cases that we'll be doing. And then literally, um, we can go in there and read those, you know, the research, add to it. That's I'm doing that constantly every day, it seems like. And then getting our thoughts together. And then we'll say, yeah, you know what? Next week, let's cover this. So there's actually um, a collection to choose from now rather than a set schedule. Well, that's nice. And do you ever see something or you may catch a dateline or something on oxygen or something and think, hey, we didn't cover that one. I'm going to push that one to the top of the queue. It happens. Uh, There are cases that I get from those true crime documentaries. There are cases that are suggested by the listeners. And once in a while, Justin will even throw something my way and say, hey, I really think this story is something we should cover. Now, this is a, a kind of a little bit of a left turn, but I know you guys do meet and greets. I hear about this on your episodes and I'm always a little uh, envious. So tell me about these meet and greet events that you do and who comes and what all happens there. Well, what happens is we, first of all, we have to get a venue and we get a date set, and then we do the promotion, let people know about it, both on the show and then on social media. And then it seemed like out of the last four or five we did, some of them were pretty big, over 100 people. And that's difficult because we'll have someone, at least one or three, walk away, and they just can't get to us. So uh, this last one we did, we did in St. Louis, and it was pretty cool because we didn't promote it quite as much. And we only ended up having, my guess, about 44, 45 people. And it went great because everybody got a lot of time with us. That's cool. So you guys don't like get up and uh, make a speech. It's more of a just mingle around and everybody get to get to know each other? It depends. We like to switch it up. When we did uh, a meet in Oklahoma, we actually did uh, a live case. So we talked through a case in front of everyone, which they really enjoyed. And let's see which case that was. I think it was the, I think his name was John Schneeberger. I'd have to, or maybe it was Marvin Schneeberger. But anyway, it was this man who built his own tank and took on a whole town by himself. Uh, we did that one live. Uh, I just can't remember his name. And then we also did a talk on season two of Making a Murder, even though I hadn't been out yet. But I knew what they were going to cover. So I brought up the new the new theories and stuff that Zellner came up with. And then we talked about those, you know, before the audience. Yeah, I am about two thirds of the way through of that second season of Make It a Murder. I found it to be a lot slower than the first season. And I don't know if that's just because it's been so heavily covered that now you think, okay, what else? Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Well, I haven't watched it. Um, I'm just going by the filings and by things that have been said by Zellner. Yeah. Um, I think that 
you know, no matter what people think about whether Avery's guilty or innocent, I believe that what Kathleen Zellner does is important because one, she's very choosy on who she takes on as a case. And number two, she's very good at what she does. So if there is any truth to any kind of a setup here, whether, whether he did it and he was still set up or whether he didn't do it and was set up or whether this just all appears to be like some dirty business, um, she's going to get to the bottom of it one way or the other, I think by the end. So I think it's good that she's out there doing what she's doing. And she has definitely gotten people out of prison who are innocent. Yes, that's pretty fascinating. And she's real interesting to watch. And you see her in the kitchen of Stephen Avery's mother. And it's the juxtaposition of, you know, big city slick lawyer in the kitchen with Stephen Avery's mother. It's really it's heartwarming, really. You know, she's trying very hard to help. And like I said, I'm only two thirds through. I watched it. I was binging it the other night till like two in the morning. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm going to got to go to bed. But I, yeah, I, I've always I want to find somebody who's watched the whole thing because everybody seems to say it's slow and they haven't watched the whole thing. So I, I, when, when I watch the whole thing, I'll report back to you. Well, I think one of the problems with it is it's it, think about any sequel to anything. Once you've gone through and were introduced all of the characters and everything, and now you're having to work with them and you don't get all that new character stuff. So right. it, I think that in and of itself slows it down, might make it less interesting, even if she has all these new theories. And and she's come out basically and said that the prior lawyers um, didn't do a good job. So that's really fascinating because these lawyers that Avery had before were sort of rock stars for a while and now she's there going, yeah, but you didn't do this, 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 and that. And now we're stuck with, you know, having to play from behind the eight ball. Yeah. I mean, those two guys have been on tour all over talking about the case. Um, they've really monetized it. Uh, well, I have found her to be the, you know, hero without a cape. And I, I do think it, like you said, she's gotten a lot of people out of jail that are innocent. So I think, I think, like you said, I think she'll get to the bottom of it. Now, I, I, w- I will say this, though. It's, it's interesting that she's been able to get so many people to support Avery when if you look at his background and you look at, you know, basically what his character was, this is not a likable guy. This isn't a guy that a lot of women would want to get behind and support, but Zellner has done that. And I think that in of itself is pretty astounding. Yes. And he's had two fiancés in prison. So, you know, God bless him. The one, the they they go deeply into this one fiance that had gone on Doctor Phil, and uh, that was all. It was kind of sad for him because obviously she was just using him and way out of his league. It was that was kind of a sad episode that I watched. Now tell me about this other podcast you have called Framed. Framed an investigative story. It recently concluded at after ten episodes, and I worked with a guy from Chicago who. Uh, knew the case backwards and forwards, had met with a lot of the people that uh, were a part of this case. And so for us, it was, can we get to the bottom of it? Can we solve a case that had gone unsolved and had put an innocent man in prison, which going back to Zellner, Mario Cachero had been released from prison uh, not too long ago, just in the last few years, because of Kathleen Zellner. Wow. So that comes full circle for you then. Yes. And we covered just the one case in this first season. And so for anybody who's interested in 
going through a case from beginning to end, getting to know the characters. It's much like making a murderer uh, in the fact that there are so many things in this case that suggest that there was manipulation by both the police and the prosecutor. Wow. Are you going to be doing a season two of that podcast? Uh, we're in talks. And so it's like anything else. We have to agree uh, to move forward. And so uh, we each have what we would like to cover. And um, we'll see what happens. And, and also there has to be demand for it. And I put a call out at the end of the last episode basically saying, hey, if you want more of this, let us know, write reviews, uh, spread the word. All right. Well, we will uh, promote it here, too, so people can spread the word and go listen to it. And you're a busy man. If you start a, a second season of this podcast, you're going to be all podcast all the time. <laughs> and I still have a day job. Oh, do you? What is that? Uh, my day job? Yes. Uh, I work for Ford Motor Company. I find that hard to believe. I would imagine this podcast was your full-time job because it's just so well done and it, it seems like you guys put so much work into it. Well, I, but I've been doing my day job for many years and it's not so easy just to break away from it. Right, right. It's it's hard to be a full-time podcaster also. Oh, I, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I always ask my guest, what podcast do you listen to so we can come up with some new ideas? Well... I know when I first started, and in fact, I tweeted about this uh, in the last two or three weeks, but the very first podcasts I ever listened to were This American Life, which is, of course, I don't know, if you were to just recommend one podcast, you could easily recommend that to any random person. That's my belief. I think it's a one-size-fits-all, uh, highly produced, well-done podcast, week in, week out. Yes. Would you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. And I also listen to the Joe Rogan experience because I think he does, uh, maybe he goes on too long, but he does a fantastic job of allowing his guests to come on and be themselves. They're not put into a square box and said, be this for five minutes. They are allowed to talk and they can explore ideas together. And I think it's incredible. And then the third one was Adam Carolla's podcast. Adam Carolla's. I uh, that surprises me. You don't have any on here that are about true crime. Well, keep in mind. I mean, back in the day when I started listening to podcasts, it was in the two thousands, early two thousands, and true crime was not a thing, not in podcasting. And the very first true crime podcast that ever came out that I'm aware of was True Murder with Dan Zupansky, and it's just an interview show. So he would read a true crime book. He'd have the author on. And that he'd interview them. And barring that, after that, it was us. I know there were a couple of others, but they only put out a few episodes and they didn't really stick around. But it, Generation Y was literally uh, the second one, I would think. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I know when I first started listening to podcasts, you know, however long ago it was, um, this was the first uh, true crime one. I know I may have just Googled up true crime podcast, you know, to find one. And yours is so universally known and liked. And, and I think it's because, it, this is my opinion, I think it's because you guys don't get too gory, too gross, too graphic. You're just telling it like it is. And it's also, I think, based on the friendship between the two of you. And it's such a, an easy way that you are with one another. Yeah, we have our own style. And I think part of it is we'll cover a case in one episode. So if you're looking for 45 minutes to 60 minutes on a case, we've got you covered. So 
you listen to This American Life, you listen to the Joe Rogan Experience and the Adam Carolla Show. Now, Adam Carolla, are he and Joe Rogan on the same network? I know they are similar. No, um, I don't know that they're on the same network, but um, they were just, they're sort of pioneers. And I think it's because both of them started off as wanting to be on radio mm-hmm. and no one would allow them to have a radio show. They said, no way, this isn't going to work, you're terrible, blah, blah, blah. But they're both huge in the podcast world, especially Joe Rogan. I mean, he releases an episode and five to eight million people hear it. Wow. So, it, you know, it's funny that people try to tell him what people want to hear and they're wrong. But those were just the first ones I listened to. After that, I really got into science podcasts. Okay, give me a science podcast. Well, one of my favorites was Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy. And I also liked any of the skeptic shows um, where they would debate, you know, uh, whether it was cryptids or strange beliefs that people have. When you said exposing pseudo-astronomy, my my producer Richard is nodding. He's um, he's into these type of podcasts as well. Um, oh, has he heard this one? He says he has. He says he has. Okay. It, yeah, it, I've I- written to the host of that. He's a great guy. He's very, very smart. Well, yes, I think with the name like Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy, you'd have to be pretty smart. I, uh, I am always surprised what other people listen to, especially if they have a podcast about a certain topic, and then their taste in podcasts will be so wildly different than what you would imagine. And they're usually pretty brainy, so that's impressive as well. I do listen to other true crime podcasts. We've We've met so many of their hosts, and so I try to listen to other shows to get to know their shows. And then also we have shows, I mean, I just know that there are shows that I really like. And so as busy as I am, I try to fit in so many new shows or episodes from shows that I like uh, each week. But it's usually on like a Monday after I've released the Generation Y episode on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so I have some that I'm interested in and I have some that are coming out that I'm interested in. Cool. Well, that's sort of the reason I started this whole podcast was I want to talk to podcasters and find out how they got their podcast going. But I also like to know what you're listening to as well to give my listeners uh, a view into something they may have never heard of. Like I've never heard of exposing pseudo astronomy, but now you've said it and now Richard says it. So maybe I should give it a listen. Well, there's one more that's in that skeptic field that might be interesting to check out, and that's monster talk. He's nodding. He knows this one, too. Uh, yeah. Tell me about Monster Talk. Uh, they usually discuss, they discuss cryptids, but they have three hosts, and they all come from different podcasts. But it's kind of just a fun podcast to listen to if you want to hear about the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot or the Chupacabra. Well, Bigfoot was the big monster of my childhood. I was always scared of Bigfoot. I just knew Bigfoot lived in the woods behind our house. Like, I just knew it. I mean, was 100% sure. I'm not even sure today that Bigfoot didn't live in the woods behind our house. It was the scariest thing to me. So I, w- I think I would like that one. Some people love Bigfoot, though. I've I've heard from listeners who were upset by our episode on Bigfoot. We covered it on episode 79, I believe. And they were just like, how can you say it's not real? And then I have to come back and correct them and say, no, I didn't say, you know, I mean, if you listen to the end, I say we can't disprove Bigfoot, but I feel like we can disprove the Bigfoot video uh, that everyone has shopped around and and watched and says that it's a real Bigfoot. But I said, I think we can disprove that. I saw that 
video and it may have been on like it was like a dateline type of show or you know a one hour show at night that did a whole thing where they had a person in a lab trying to remake the gate of the Bigfoot to show why it was fake you probably know exactly what I'm talking about I remember seeing this and thinking like hmm I still think it's real I don't think it's a guy in a costume yeah I went um, a lot of it for me wasn't the gate because I know people that can move strangely anyway um, but for me, it was, if you look at the bottom of the feet, mm-hmm. they look like shoes. And, you know, for a lot of time, for a long time, no one really saw that film correctly because the way it was shot, it was very herky-jerky. But years ago, someone took that film and stabilized it. And mm-hmm. so it's, they kind of cheated. Uh, before that, there was no way really to tell. And it looked a lot more realistic when it was all herky-jerky. But now that they've stabilized the image, to me it's a lot more obvious that it's fake. Although I will say this, people have pointed out that it's a female Bigfoot and that it would be odd for whoever did this, if it was a hoax, to use a female Bigfoot costume. (laughs) And how do you tell the difference between a female Bigfoot and a male Bigfoot? Or do I not want to know the answer to that? (laughs) It has to do with the chest of the creature. Okay. Okay, well, now I'm writing down to go check out Generation Y episode about Bigfoot and Monster Talk, and probably now I won't sleep tonight. I'll be going back to my childhood where I was always pulling the covers all the way up to my neck because that was going to protect me from vampires and also Bigfoot. But life was more magical back then, wasn't it? (laughs) It was. It was because, you know, when I say the woods behind my house, I mean it was probably half a block deep and then there was another house right behind it so it wasn't really woods but you know in my mind it's been built up to like oh this scary area but I don't I don't think Bigfoot had enough space to build a house back there really now we're coming to the end of the podcast and I really want to thank you very much because when I tell you I've been listening to Generation Y not since 2012 but now I'm excited to go back and look at this Bigfoot episode or to scroll through to see some other things I may have missed and uh, I wish that I had you and Justin talking about every murder all the time or just you know on your Patreon do you guys ever just shoot the shit and talk about I don't know baseball or pop culture (laughs) well we have done that I think we have about 10 episodes up there on Patreon that are just us talking about things and we've had requests for us to do more of that and so I don't know if this will be a surprise to you but sometimes we go to to record and then we get talking about something else and we'll talk about something for about 20 to 30 minutes and then eventually one of us will say look we've already lost this much time we should start recording uh so what we need to do is just record all that and then if we like it we could toss it up on patreon i think so i I think that your fans would like it Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. And I will encourage all my listeners to go listen to Generation Y. And you can see there all these different podcasts that Aaron has recommended. And we will link all those up as well. And I appreciate you talking to me. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Aaron.